0: From the Annie E. Casey Foundation, I'm Lisa Hamilton, and this is Casey Cast. A community's economic strength plays an important role in the well-being of children, allowing parents to secure family-supporting jobs and connect their children with opportunities for growing and learning. Increasingly, to boost economic development, a number of communities are turning to anchor institutions— organizations such as hospitals and universities that are deeply rooted in neighborhoods with the potential for serving and employing residents. Talking with us today is Derek Douglas. Since 2012, he has served as the Vice President for Civic Engagement and External Affairs at the University of Chicago, one of the nation's leading research institutions. Prior to joining the university, Derek served as a special assistant to President Barack Obama, where he led the White House Domestic Policy Council's work on urban and metropolitan issues. Welcome to the podcast, Derek. Thank you. It's
1: a pleasure to be with you.
0: Wonderful. Well, why don't we start our conversation talking about what an anchor institution is? I've described the University of Chicago, where you work, as one, but why don't you tell us what uh, how you describe an anchor institution?
1: Sure. Uh, An anchor institution is it's an organization or an entity that is located in a place, neighborhood, um, city, wherever you wherever you may be. It does things like employs people, hires people, builds things that create benefits for the communities around it or have the potential to create benefits for the communities around it. And it's an entity that's not gonna go anywhere. So unlike a company where companies kind of come and they move and they go around, universities, medical centers, these are institutions that typically are in a place and that's where they're gonna be for as long as they're in existence. And so they're very focused on trying to think about ways in which the economic engine of the institution can also create benefits for the surrounding communities.
0: Wonderful. And we often talk about jobs, but are there other types of opportunities that anchors have the potential to create in a community? Oh,
1: oh yeah. So jobs is just one piece, the hiring side. Um, Anchor institutions are also big purchasers, so they can support local businesses by buying from the businesses in the neighborhoods. In our case, we also have a medical center, so we provide health care For a lot of people in the surrounding neighborhood. We also happen to have a police force that has a very large patrol area that provides additional safety, um, meets the safety needs of the surrounding community. We also run programs, so we do a lot around educational programs, whether it's classes to help kids get prepared for college and to succeed and continue through college. We do programs in the arts. We have entrepreneurship programs. We do leadership development and capacity building for nonprofits. So there's a suite of things that we do that are all um, connecting, really, the university to the community. And the way we talk about it is this notion of mutual benefit, where we try to identify things that leverage the strengths of the university, but do it in a way that creates benefits and is connected to and, and built in partnership with the surrounding community.
0: Hmm. You know, when we often think about um, asking uh, for-profit companies to engage in communities, there's always this issue of a tension between their mission to maximize profits versus an interest in having them be responsible corporate citizens. Do you ever find that, uh, at least in a university context, is there tension between the mission you generally have around educating uh, Uh, students uh, and a a commitment or a connection to the surrounding physical community you're in?
1: Yeah, I would say that that's not the tension. There is a tension that exists between universities and their surrounding communities. It's not so much, though, through the educational mission and the research mission of the institution. It's Mm -hmm. more about the footprint, really, Mm -hmm of the university Um, because most universities, we've been around for 125 years. You have some that have been around 200 plus years and they continue to grow. Every 10, 20 years, they get larger, more students, more faculty, more physical infrastructure. And as universities continue to grow, that has implications and can be viewed as an encroachment on the surrounding communities. So they get very concerned about the development and the growth of the university, what that means for them, what it means for the their neighbors, what does it mean for their schools, and how can that growth happen in a way that is not at the expense of the community, but that's in furtherance of the community mm-hmm. through partnership. So that, I would say, is the main kind of, of tension one sees between universities and communities, and it's something that we're often trying to negotiate in our work.
0: Hmm. And there's, um, you, you talked about the communities surrounding universities. I don't um, know what the neighborhood, the University of Chicago is based in, looks like, but you um, cities certainly have changed, particularly formerly industrial cities have, mm-hmm. have changed. Uh, and so often these anchors are in communities that may have been blighted by other disinvestment. Can you talk a bit about some of the community conditions that often make anchors so important in the places where they are?
1: Oh, yeah. So in the case of the University of Chicago, we're on the south side of Chicago, and We are, the university, most of its campus is in the neighborhood Hyde Park, which is a very diverse um, community, racially, uh, ethnically, socioeconomically diverse. The the part of our campus is also in the neighborhood of Woodlawn, and we have some, um, uh, some presence in a neighborhood to our west called Washington Park. Those neighborhoods are much more um, economically challenged. They, for example, 50 years ago or so, Woodlawn used to have around 100,000 residents in the neighborhood. Today it's around the low 20s. Washington Park used to be over 50,000. Today it's around 11,000. So you've seen massive depopulation happening in these two communities. Um, there's a lot of vacant land. If you go through the other, um, demographics, unemployment, the average income, all those sorts of things, they're very challenged in many ways. Um, and so one of the things that happens with universities and, and these anchors is that they can provide some stabilization, like which has happened in Hyde Park, um, through just the presence of students, faculty, others living there, the activities that you help to drive that are needed to support the the um, the university. But unless you're intentional, you can also see disinvestment happening around. You can see depopulation happening around unless there's intentional strategies to be engaged with those neighborhoods. And so one of the things that I'm excited about is that the neighborhood of Woodlawn and Washington Park are two where the university has not historically been as engaged in terms of from an economic development standpoint, but we're right now talking and um, trying to have conversations with the community to see if there's ways in which we could be supporting the development goals and needs of those communities.
0: Mm. Well, you described a wide range of assets uh, that universities in particular have to bring to communities from jobs to procurement to training to entrepreneurship. You're involved in a pretty innovative collaboration there in Chicago called Chicago Anchors for a Strong Economy or CASE. Tell us a little about how that got started and what your aspirations are for this collaboration.
1: Yeah, so... um Thanks for asking about that. Case is actually an interesting case study, not to use a pun, (laughs) but uh, a big strength of ours is our procurement power. Mm -hmm. When you add up the amount of dollars both the university and the medical center spend every year, it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars buying stuff. Mm. And so we said, as opposed to buying all these things from New York and California and places all over, what if we tried to dedicate... Um, more of our spend to businesses in Chicago and particularly businesses on the south side. Mm-hmm. We would still be getting our needs met. It's not doing anything differently than we were doing before, but we're getting them met in a way that it actually helps to strengthen the communities around us, create jobs in the communities around us. So you get more of a win-win mm-hmm. than if you bought the same stuff from, say, a, a company in another part of the country. So we were, I was part of a group that was um, called World Business Chicago. I was on one of the committees that was focused on developing the neighborhood strategy. So I put on the table this program. We call it UChicago Local. Ways in which we can invest in local um, businesses using our procurement strength. We're doing this at the University of Chicago. We're gonna focus on South Side businesses. But one idea would be for us to band with other anchors across the city on the west side, the south side, the north side, where we all kind of adopt uh, essentially a consortium approach to seeing how we could invest more in businesses in um, the city and in particularly in neighborhoods of need. And I remember Terry Peterson, who was at Rush Medical Center at the time, said, fantastic, sign me up. The city was there, the Department of Planning and Development, and they said, the University of Chicago is interested in doing this. We've got to take this on. Julia Stash from the MacArthur Foundation chaired this neighborhoods committee. She was on board. And so from there it grew. Mm. And you know, it started out as just one idea of something we were doing, but we were happy to share it. And then it now has become this very powerful engine in the city of Chicago that's got, I think, over 15 or 16 different anchors working collaboratively. To figure out how we could invest in companies here, how we can hire more people here, and just be these engines for um, economic vitality and prosperity in the neighborhoods that need it most
0: and you've brought together some unusual partners, some of whom might actually be competitors in the yes. city. It sounds like how how have you all navigated that
1: well, what was interesting was that for a lot of in a lot of cases. Um, when we started putting the Anchor Network together, these folks had never worked together before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're, like you said, there was a competitive aspect to it, but there was also just, uh, we're all busy, we're all doing our thing, and they hadn't thought about, what if we banded together? Could we actually create more leverage mm-hmm. with suppliers, with um, different companies we work with, to in order to the benefit of the city? and I think one of the most powerful things about CASE is that it has broken down some of these perceived barriers between anchors where we don't see each other as the other, as a competitor, but now we see that on some things, certainly we compete for certain things, but we also see that in some areas by working collaboratively, we can achieve more mm. good together than we can on our own. And, um, the other thing I would say, though, is we took a broader definition of an anchor. So typically when people talk about anchor institutions, they think about eds and meds, mm-hmm. educational institutions, medical centers. Right. They're the ones going nowhere. They do all the stuff we discussed. We said there are other kinds of anchors, though, entities that have been, that are located in place, that are not going anywhere, and that have the attributes of other anchors. They hire, they buy, they build, they provide programming and services so we brought in the museums. Mm. That was unusual. Mm -hmm. A lot of times and what was interesting about that was the recruitment process. So myself, Julia Stash, who's the president of MacArthur, we would actually go and meet with the heads of these different organizations as part of the recruiting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we have to do with the museums was get them to see themselves as anchors Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that they can play this role collectively to help support this broader mission that we had for the, our communities and for the city. Um, so we brought in all of them. We also said, let's get corporations. Now, corporations can move. They are anchors when they're in the city, but they're mm-hmm. a bit more mobile than the eds and meds. But we said they can also play a big role. They purchase stuff. Mm-hmm. They hire people. They have economic strength that we want to bring to the table. So we went out and we started recruiting corporate anchors as well to participate we've even started having conversations with athletic teams Mm,
0: that's great you have heard of stadiums even stadiums are viewed as anchors or airports
1: you know here we got the bulls and Mm -hmm. the bears and the and the the blackhawks and the cubs and the white Sox, and they have stadiums they Mm -hmm. buy and they could also be in the mix and so slowly you start to put together this coalition of people and organizations that now see themselves as an anchor in a way they didn't before mm-hmm. and not only that start getting excited about the idea of partnering to bring have this kind of impact to be honest it wouldn't have been successful we wouldn't have been able to get the procurement officers of the anchors to even engage unless we gave them the commitment this is not about charity it's about investing in strong businesses in our communities.
0: That's great. Tell me a little about what it looks like on the ground. What kinds of uh, pipelines have you created into uh, jobs or procurement opportunities? And, and what's the impact it's having?
1: A, um, a perfect example is the university is served through a company called Bon Appetit. Others use others Aramark or Sodexo. Uh-huh. Those are larger food service companies. When we put an RFP out, to identify who was going to be providing food service for the entire university. That's all of our students, all of our staff, the dorms, everything. We put in there these goals around Case and UChicago Local Mm. that we would like a company to respond and how they will hit certain numbers of local purchasing and the like. Um, Bon Appetit, who ended up winning, agreed to our goals. I think it was 35-40%. They've exceeded it. Mm. They're hiring over 50% of the people now coming from the local community. The businesses that supply them, they have a huge percentage of them that are coming from the local neighborhoods. And that's a concrete example of how the university, by making a priority around this idea of what CASE is about and you Chicago locals about, directly impacting a major contract, multi-million dollar contract at the university that's now spitting out or spilling out benefits to the businesses and the workers because they're hiring people Mm -hmm. locally. So there's a, a variety of stories. I can get. I don't have off the top of my head the number of businesses we've worked with.
0: I've got something here. I've got case assisted 443 businesses. Wow. Created 180 jobs and 52 million in revenue to small yeah, businesses. I knew it was over that's, 50. that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing uh, statistics. And this uh, is
1: going from zero to that. Wow. In just a couple of years, few years.
0: That was there was huge untapped potential there. Obviously, what about yeah. training? Have have any of the case Partners come together to create um, training issues. I think of healthcare institutions and the issues they often have in staffing. Have they come together to create any kind of pipeline training programs? Yes,
1: that's been so. The first phase of case was about procurement, Mm -hmm. so it was all focused on the purchasing. But there was a training element to that. We would do these um, capacity building workshops, two or three a year, where we would take companies in and run them through a three week intensive program to get them more upskilled so that they could then understand how to compete for contracts with us. The next phase has been on the workforce side and looking for opportunities where we need have a joint need among anchors to get people trained. Um, on the workforce side, we also can use partners. So one partner is the city colleges. Mm-hmm. And um, under Mayor Emanuel, the city colleges have been organized around topics. And there's one of the city colleges that's focused on training people for the healthcare sector, so we can utilize that. There are other workforce organizations like Skills for Chicagoland's Future or CARA program that we also are talking about partnering with to help us um, develop a more comprehensive training program for people in the community to get prepared to work at any number of, of anchors in the network. So... Um, And then the third element of CASE that's just starting to emerge is more of economic development, Mm -hmm. the place-based nature. So those first two are more businesses and people working. Then there's also the development that happens in the neighborhood, commercial corridors, that sort of thing. And anchors play a big role in that. And so CASE is now starting to work with us to help us um, think about our economic development strategies and how those dovetail with the, the plans and the goals of people in the surrounding community.
0: That's great. What What are you seeing happening in the in the communities um, around the anchors who are participating in case? Is the um, community changing? or people uh, seeming to be more engaged with the um, organizations in, in their footprint? No doubt. Yeah.
1: No doubt. I think the best example of that is Rush Medical Center. So when Rush got into case. Um, They had been doing some things, but this was generally a big step for them to get into CASE on the community front. Mm -hmm. And they've been one of the leaders, the co-chair, Terry Peterson, who's a senior vice president at Rush Medical. He and I were the co-chairs of CASE when it got started. But from that exposure and just hearing what other anchors were doing in the network, Rush just embarked, and I think they just wrapped up last year, a major community Um, partnership effort where they developed a plan of what they're going to be doing in the community. They engaged, they did town halls and meetings. I think they engaged hundreds, three, four hundred people in the community Mm -hmm. in the process of helping to inform what their strategy would be. Mm -hmm. And they just rolled it out. And it's been a game changer for the relationship Rush has with the community on the west side of chicago which also was a community of significant need i think that being part of case being part of that that community of anchors is what prompted rush to think about taking those next steps of engagement and they've taken it to a whole nother level uh, from where they were before and the community is responding extremely favorably to that work, and Russia is starting to get some some broader um, regional and national attention for its work. So there's no doubt about it that for the people that have been touched by case, touched by you, Chicago local, um, it's starting to create trust, greater trust, and stronger relationships between the anchors and the community. But there's still a lot a long way to go, mm-hmm. and I don't want to suggest that. You just do case, and then that solves all of your problems or all of your issues or challenges um, with, in terms of the the university or anchor community relations. But it does have a positive impact, no question.
0: That's great. Um, what advice would you give to other anchor institutions who are looking to do this work to make sure there's more economic energy?
1: First, I would say you have to... Um, come up with a philosophy, a mindset, a set of principles, whatever you want to call it. But you have to come up with an outlook on this work as to how your institution benefits from doing it. If you just characterize it as a, you gain nothing, it's all for the community, it Mm -hmm. won't be sustainable, and you will not get the parts of the university or your anchor institution to buy in fully. They have to see how their work is benefiting, how their goals are benefiting from engaging in this work. Two, you have to get support, buy-in from the top of the organization. It's very difficult to do anchor institution work at scale unless without a president, a board, officers, being committed to the work. It's very difficult to do it as an isolated group an isolated office. Three, I would say there's a lot of good work out there. Yeah, you well, don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah,
0: what are good examples you've seen of of uh, other maybe anchor networks so, or other cities so, doing this well?
1: I mm-hmm. think if you look at what they're doing at Hopkins, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're there in Baltimore right. and President Ron Daniels and Andy Frank and the group that they have there are really doing some amazing things, both on the, proc- the anchor side of procurement and hiring, on the economic development side. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about the public safety piece. Mm-hmm. I think they're actually thinking about the academic side and mm-hmm. how they can bring more of the academic evaluation and, and research to bear to strengthen programs in, in the c- local community.
0: And public schools, right?
1: And public And work in the public schools directly. So they're good. Um, The gold standard for many years has been the University of Pennsylvania Hmm. and what they've done with the West Philadelphia initiatives Mm -hmm. over a 20-year period where they took an area of the city that was very distressed economically and have totally transformed it through a series of investments and partnerships.
0: I've heard lots Um, of folks talk about Cleveland, and I I think I've read that you'd visited Cleveland.
1: Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. So Cleveland is good. Cleveland is... um, they have the I want I think they call it University Circle, but Cleveland is another one where you had a coalition of anchors about four or five I think Cleveland Clinic, Case Western, um, one or two other medical centers came together, and they formed um, this program called the Evergreen Cooperatives, where they essentially agreed as anchors to. They formed an an economic development entity or business. The anchors agreed to purchase from this, these companies. In fact, they would work with the community to create companies to serve the needs of the anchors. And then the anchors would become the first customers. We thought that was a very powerful idea. I think in Memphis, they also recently launched a new consortium of several anchors, including a number of medical ones. That's going to take a similar approach. Detroit- Another example um, that has been very involved, led by the Kresge Foundation, mm-hmm. there and J.P. Morgan Chase and some others. So there's a lot of good examples out there that, if you're an anchor institution, could look at to get some thoughts, see which ideas fit best with the the priorities and the culture of it, that particular anchor institution. Then I would say you just got to get started. Mm. And and you got a key to all of it, though it kind of goes without saying, and I probably need to emphasize it more expressly, is the community side. This work only is effective if it's authentically done through engaging the community. Mm. The community, and it's engaging the community as a partner. It's not, let's get the buy-in of the community. It's not, here's what we want to do. You guys are going to have to deal with it, or what do you think? Mm -hmm. It's, Let's work on this together. This is a joint initiative. And the community engagement in in all segments, not just the leadership of the neighborhoods, that's key, but also the grassroots of the community, has to be part of the, the ecosystem that you're creating to then drive these kinds of results.
0: That's fantastic. You know, at the Casey Foundation, we're always focused on how strategies can help benefit kids and families. And so much of what you have talked about um, certainly is going to help the the families and the children in in these communities thrive. Um, You've held a a national perch uh, with the White House and you've led an initiative uh, in there in Chicago. What would you say, um, I guess, in closing thoughts of, of what you think the potential uh, there is for anchor institutions in helping us have the kinds of um, strong families and thriving communities we want to have in this country?
1: I think that the potential for anchor institutions to um, play a role in helping us strengthen our communities and strengthen our families, it's off the charts. Mm. To be perfectly honest with you, I gave you some examples of, of around the country of of um, anchors that are doing some good work, but we haven't even really scratched the surface of what anchors can do, and I think that it's incumbent on everybody, not just the anchors, but the cities, the the philanthropy and foundations, um, the corporate sector, the nonprofit sector, to be looking to make sure their anchors are at the table in developing these kinds of solutions. You go to any city in America. They're dealing with, say, a safety issue and other issues. A lot of times you'll see the nonprofits there, they'll work with the city, um, they'll get foundation support from their local philanthropy, and you have these anchors that are not brought into the mix. Mm -hmm. Yet they bring this whole wealth of resource, both economic, but also the academic and the educational expertise that they could bring to bear that needs to be brought into the mix. Um, we've been looking at a whole new model around neighborhood impact that would leverage both our research strength, our teaching strength, and our economic strength as an anchor to target it or to focus it on a particular set of neighborhoods to help move the needle on key challenges in those communities. And what I've said is that you know when you're fighting against inequality or for economic mobility or whatever it may be, Anchors need to be on the front lines. Mm-hmm. These anchor institutions have the ability. Some of the greatest challenges we've had faced as a nation, universities, medical centers have been at the forefront in getting them done. Mm-hmm. These current challenges around strengthening our families, strengthening our neighborhoods, we need anchors to be in the mix and one of the leading groups helping to drive change. And so I think there's some nice examples out there, but it has not gone to scale. And I think I want to give Annie E. Casey credit, because you all have been one of the main foundations that have been pushing this notion of the, the, the role of anchors in helping to bring about positive change in communities. And seeing the promise in that and building networks that then lead to these kinds of um, coalition work, and it's going to take more of that work from Annie Casey, more work from U- the University of Chicago's, but also more of telling our stories, so we can then really get to scale, to have a true national movement around anchors in this area.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you so much for the compliment but it is truly the leadership of folks like you both at the national level and in local communities that are making this work happen thank you so much for your example thank you and for the inspiration to the country i certainly hope that many many more organizations like yours uh will take up uh this charge and uh help us have the the kinds of uh, communities that we know um, all Americans so deeply deserve. Thank you so much for joining us today, Derek. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Lisa. It was my pleasure.
0: Wonderful, wonderful to hear your story. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us as well. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, rate our show on Apple Podcasts to help others find us. You can ask questions and leave us feedback on Twitter by using the CaseyCast hashtag. To learn more about Casey and the work of our guests, you can find our show notes at aecf.org forward slash podcast. Until next time, I wish all of America's kids and all of you a bright future.